but this is such a this is such a double-edged sword. Let me give you an example. Kanye West appears on Tucker Carlson. He's wearing the pro life. He has the sonogram badge. Everybody's like, yeah, Kanye, Christian, pro-life. And then he gets, you know, like he's going Defcon 3 on Jews the next week or something, you know, and then gets kicked off Twitter. And so it's like, man, it's it, there's kind of like a live by the sword, die by the sword thing going on here. Like live by the celebrity, die by the celebrity. Hello and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. I'm your co-host, Nathan Rittenhouse. And I'm your co-host, Cameron McAllister. Cameron, I need your help on something because usually the way that my mind works is that I can look at something and pretty quickly like piece it together and make sense of it and see how it's connected to everything else. Then there are okay. times that like you bring things, you, I think you do this on purpose to me. You bring things up and I just kind of sit there and twitch like I can't quite. Yeah, so anyway, podcast today is Cameron giving Nathan a therapy session and connecting some dots. Here's it. Here it is. Carl Lentz is making a comeback, it appears. Now, most people, a lot of people, don't know who Carl Lentz is. So can you give us a little background history and then bring us up to speed on the history, the context, and then I will go deeper into my confusion and then you can sort us out. I can give some modest background because to be honest with you, I don't know that much about Carl Lentz. He is, he was a Hillsong pastor in one of the, you know, so an American Hillsong pastor also was known sometimes as the celebrity pastor. So he had a very highly publicized friendship with Justin Bieber, for instance. So it's impossible to talk about Carl Lentz without describing him a little bit too. So he's very tall and athletic. Some of you who know who he is are going to laugh at the restraint I have here. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to be subtle. He's so he's a very good looking guy. He could be an actor or something like that. So this is, this is a man who, who looks like an athlete or an actor definitely looks like a celebrity. There are, if you Google his name, you will find many pictures of him without a shirt. He's a very chiseled guy. So there you have it. He's a, he's a good looking guy, probably about, I don't know, six foot four, six foot six. Charismatic, very sharp dresser, depending on <laughs> your taste. I mean, it certainly looks very, very modern and very cutting edge, right? Boy, when I have to talk like this, I feel old, too. He looks very <laughs> hip, Nathan, I must say. I'm not that old, there, there. by the way, so it just feels funny to be <laughs> describing him like that. He is in the news again, though, on a serious note. Well... <laughs> It's hard to say all of this with a straight face because there's just such a high degree of publicity and kind of all of those aspects that you associate with celebrity culture. A new picture or a few pictures have surfaced of, of Carl Lentz with it, one with his wife. It's a very glamorous shot in black and white. Professional photographer obviously was involved here. And then I, I believe there's one with the entire family. And, you know, just it, this was posted, I believe, to Instagram, where I think on our last on last check, Carl Lentz has somewhere in the neighborhood of 600,000 followers or something along those lines. But this is funny. So I was I was telling Nathan about this just humorously. I was mentioning one person had said, yes, Carl Lentz announces his return to ministry with a professional photo with a professional photo op or something like that, which I thought was funny. But Nathan's looking at it. I'm just seeing more and more consternation on his face. And I finally just said, is, is this, is this breaking Nathan Rittenhouse's brain? And he said, well, 
kind of. So I guess part of, I actually don't find all of this, I find some aspects of this by turns sad, comical, and not surprising. So I don't find all of this too difficult. So let me start by just saying, Nathan, what what is it that is so that you find so intractable about this to begin well, with? Yeah. So did we say, I mean, so the reason he. Oh, I did not did mention he, why he. Yeah. 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 Give us the context of why he was yeah. controversial. Yeah. The context of why he's controversial is going to sound all too familiar and not very surprising, surprising given some of the details I've just given you. So he, he ended up having an affair, multiple affairs. So there was infidelity. He was removed from his position in ministry and then retreated from the spotlight for a time, which is why this it's a big deal that he's making an appearance once again. And a lot of people are speculating and are very curious about whether he will reinvent himself. And if so, what will that look like? You know, sadly, we do have we have quite a few models we could point to here. One that comes to mind, even though his circumstances are slightly different, would be Mark Driscoll who, you know, obviously the Mars Hill, the whole Mars Hill thing came came down, crashing down, but he's since, you know, he's now pastoring a church in Arizona, has been doing that for a while. So he has reinvented himself. And so the speculation, the question is, what is Carl Lentz's next move? Yeah, so this is where I'm stuck on the difference between repentance and reconciliation and restitution and rebranding rebranding yeah way to keep the r thing going there that that was helpful of okay i could i could because he so in some ways this is a type of a thing he's not the only one to do this i think the mark driscoll and by the way if you haven't listened to the rise and fall of mars hill podcast that's probably really Mm -hmm. worth your time i think that's a very fascinating long-form journalism and a deep read into some of what I, so here's the thing, Cameron is I'm struggling to kind of wrap this all around here to get, get your thinking on this, but you said it's not surprising. He had some affairs. You said, given what I've said, it's not surprising where. And I don't, yeah. So where did that statement come from? That statement came from, and I want to be, I want to, I want to make my remarks carefully here at that 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 what i just said there runs the risk of sound sounding callous and so that is not how i want to come across here that said part of what the i mean the basic dynamic of carl lenz's life that i can see is centered on influence and power and control so if influence and power and control and the reason i say that by the way is first of all there are some very important clues the if a person is image obsessed and some of the details by the way provide further evidence here so some of what has come to light is that carl lentz for instance would prioritize the celebrities in his church and would have only time for those people who were famous in some way and would basically sideline anybody else so he he would prioritize celebrities that Gives you that's an important clue right there. I think there's a scripture passage about that, but anyway. Of course, yep. Think think it's in James, so, right? But, but also there are a lot of. I mean, again, the this is why it's not incidental to my mind that his 
that you know his his basically his stepping back into the spotlight involves not just not an earnest discussion not a apology not a you know a written document or something along those lines but a a glossy professional photograph that's very that's highly glamorized so these there are so many aspects that really focus on image you know various power dynamics and influence and visions of i think a picture of success that has very little to do with christianity and i think so, that's the other side of this of this discussion is the is the image of success that is conjured up here that many americans many of us unwittingly buy into i think that's part of what explains the appeal here as well yeah may, and so i think this is maybe now we're getting closer to my problem or i mm -hmm. it's hard to solve a problem when you can't figure it out but yeah because I, I was reading something about it you know back around the uh, original affairs and all of that and somebody pointed out that even joe rogan had discussed him and they were looking at pictures of him online and joe rogan's like dude pull your pants up you know you're a pastor so at some point in which you know he kind of did set himself out there as a very mm -hmm. um easy point for people to be critical of christianity target. um i mean at the point where joe rogan is talking about the fact that you should be a little more modest in your appearance if you're claiming to be a pastor you're you're pretty far out, <laughs> pretty far out at that point so i guess the maybe the confusion is is that he's representing a style of christianity that i've never seen to be authentic and that could be hard-heartedness on my part or something, or it just really doesn't jive with what I think Jesus was trying to do. So that's where I'm stuck in between is like, is this okay. just Nathan's bias and narrow-mindedness on what's going on? Or can you just definitively say at some point, like, mm, no, you're you're putting you're putting a label that I hold dear on something that I don't. And that mm -hmm makes me kind of not care what's going on over there except for the fact that it's making all the rest of us look bad so is this some sort of self-preservation yeah. thing or just like this this is not helpful marketing uh if because marketing isn't really the goal here when we're talking about faith but yeah i don't know that's something something doesn't sit well with me about it all yeah and i think part of this shows a unique american pathology and this is also, incidentally, why I don't think that... So there have been various discussions circulating, and I'll, I'll drop an article into the show notes here for, for those who are interested so you can get some context here. We've discussed this before, but I'm thinking specifically of an article by a gentleman named Aaron Wren. He wrote this for First Things magazine. It's, it's a worthwhile article. I think it's interesting and thought-provoking, but I'm having a hard time swallowing its thesis but essentially he makes the argument that there are three major phases of evangelicalism but really by extension christian christianity in the united states and the first is positive where he says you know christianity is seen as a social good it's a positive influence even skeptics recognize that the second he calls the neutral time you know it's the neutral phase where christianity has a seat at the table but it's got something to prove and then the third is the negative world. He calls that, he basically names that as our moment, where Christianity is perceived as harmful and dangerous. But here's the thing, though. We, 
American culture has been uniquely hospitable to the Carl Lenz model for a long time. And this goes back to, and I'm again, this is thinking out loud. So I am going to venture some thoughts. They're not pulled just out of thin air. They are based on some historical facts and precedents. So I do think I have good reason for saying what I'm going to say here. But I don't think if you look into the history of, of the complicated history of the church in North America, I do not think you're going to find a glowingly positive vision. I think you will find times where Christianity did retain some level of influence and maybe commanded a higher level of respect. Yes. But but the whole the whole celebrity notion where you want to leverage influence and celebrity and power for the sake of the gospel has a complex history. I mean even going back to a figure as distant as George Whitfield who a celebrated preacher and did many good things, but also campaigned vigorously for slavery in Georgia, by the way, where I make my home. And part of the part of the reason for that was that he had some political allegiances, as all human beings do, by the way. We're all situated firmly in our own time and space, but he had some political allegiances and he wanted to make sure that he held on to his influence, and he wanted to make sure that certain doors were not closed. Nathan, you and I have been in settings in major ministries where we have both been privy to conversations along the lines of, well, let's be careful how we how we talk about racism, for instance. Let's be careful about how we talk about sexuality in this venue because we don't want to have opportunities closed down to us. We don't want doors closed. I'm treading carefully here. I'm not saying that there isn't room for discernment and care and prudence, especially when we talk about very difficult topics. Absolutely. But there's a fine line between care and prudence and then jettisoning your convictions so that you can hold on to a platform. And that kind of thinking, that kind of model, that kind of flimsiness has been around in the United States for a long time. And one of the ways that we measure success here in the United States is material wealth and prosperity. That's how we look at success. That's a default setting for many North Americans, whether we recognize it or not. So you got a little tinge of the prosperity gospel in there. And so we've talked about on the on the podcast before, Nathan, that our really the only the closest comparison we have to royalty in the United States are celebrities. And so Again, you can have figures like Carl Lenz who emerge and I've heard I've heard the justifications. I've heard the speak I've I've heard some of the arguments surrounding them saying, well, you know, but look at the way they're using their influence. I mean, my goodness, he's talking to Justin Bieber. On that note, think about how people how we lose our minds. And I, again, I want to be careful whenever some, you know, celebrity espouses faith in Christ. Well, I mean, this yeah, has so, led yeah, to some tangled is, stuff. <laughs> but this is such a this is such a double-edged sword. Let me give you an example. Kanye yeah. West appears on Tucker Carlson. Yes. He's wearing the pro life. He has the sonogram badge. Everybody's like, yeah, Kanye, Christian, pro-life. And then he gets, you know, like he's going DEPCON 3 on Jews the next week or something, you know, and then gets mm-hmm. kicked off Twitter. Yeah. And so it's like, 
man, it's it, there's kind of like a live by the sword, die by the sword thing going on here. Like live by the celebrity, die by the celebrity sort of thing that I, well, and yeah, you were saying, no, you're, yeah, anyway, just throwing that in there. No, you're totally right. Kanye West is a, is, is as apt an example right now as, as I can think of. I mean, another looking at the past, I think for a while, Bob Dylan fit this bill for a lot of people. Bob Dylan went through a Christian phase but since then, he said some very interesting and, and you know, sort of conflicted things about Christianity because he's hard. He's he's difficult to pin down. Bono was is another one from U2. And yet, you know, Bono has some has some views on abortion that a lot of fe- people found really shocking and problematic. But the, yeah. So, again, we're looking at a but that's, I guess, a big question, though, here, Nathan, a guiding question is what is your vision of success? Okay. What is success? Yeah. Yeah. That's the good one. But when you were saying that you, America is uniquely open to this, I was just using the old Google button here real quick. Did you ever read Elmer Gantry by Lewis Sinclair? Basically his satirical kind of takedown yeah. of the whole Billy Sunday thing. That I I loved and hated that book all at the same time mm-hmm. because it was so it felt so right in the way that he It stings. It hurts. Illustrated yeah. what is wrong. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it was there. Uh, I think actually, if you're in ministry, you should probably read that book. Uh, 1926, it was published, but it's a uh, it, it does a wonderful job of giving you the stomach queasy feeling. It's a hatchet job <laughs> of the yeah. yeah, like it is such a good takedown of thin veneer religious leadership and celebrity. Um, and it's hard. It's getting harder to be like, yeah, that isn't true. Except for, I mean, because it is true. We much have harder. example. Yeah. yeah, it's much harder. No, but what's different now is that you could take somebody. Well, you could take Elmer Gantry in a digital age, and after two years of silence, he could come right back, rebrand himself, and pick up a huge following again. Um, and so that's the thing that, like, yep. okay, I could see the whole quest for rebranding and coming back. I get I I can kind of understand that if this is about power and prestige and influence and that sort of thing that I can understand the part that I can't understand is the 65,000 people who are like oh this is great mm-hmm. that's the that's the crew that like is it because there's no better option if you live in New York for a place to worship than you know like how does no that how does that that's the that's where yeah, I'm but stuck. that's where no, but that's where, because if your default setting, though, and this is not Nathan Rittenhouse's default setting, gloriously, it's not your default setting, thank the Lord. But if your default setting is visions of earthly success, then you're going to look at a Carl Lentz and think, insanely gifted communicator, look at the credibility. And so you're going to measure credibility in very different terms than you would, for instance, Nathan. You're going to, instead of looking at a person's long-term track record, instead of looking at who they are behind the scenes, instead of looking, I mean, I think often of the Greek debate, the the ancient Greek debate on whether you could call any human being successful until they had died, (laughs) especially nowadays, because I mean, the measure of a truly successful life is a life well-lived. And the only way you know that is if the person's life is complete. Or at least if the person is is maybe in their twilight years, because so many people are deceiving. 
you know, for one, or they start off so well and end so badly. We see this over and over yeah, again. Okay. So yeah, it's a more me, holistic but, picture. Oh yeah. But it's, so it's different than that. So I really like that idea. Um, and I remember telling somebody one time who I met, I said, Hey, look, I think I'm really going to like you, but you need to know it takes me at least five years before I start to respect somebody. That's, that was probably a little bit of a pessimistic statement, but it was coming out of some of this type of thing <laughs> sure. where it's like, this can look great. Um, but it's easy to mm -hmm. fake it. Do what you say you're doing for 40 years and then I'll be impressed. So I mm -hmm. have a little bit of that in me, but you, you thought of like Greek conversations. I thought about this story about a moose. I'm going to tell it. So these guys go <laughs> hunting in Alaska. They fly in on a bush plane. The pilot lands and says, look, there are four of you. The plane can only take off with so much weight on this lake. You can kill one moose because if we put a moose in here with you four, we can't take off. And uh, so he leaves a week later, he comes back and there are the four guys and they have two moose. And he's like, guys, look, I told you the engine isn't strong enough for us to get over that next mountain taking off with two moose in the plane. And the guys say, no, the plane will take off with two moose in it. We did it last year. And he's like, what? And they're like, yep, we got the plane off the water with two moose in it and four people. And he's like, well, maybe it was a different plane. They check it all out, the same plane. And they kind of humiliate this guy into saying, well, the pilot last year was able to take off the four guys and two moose in the plane. So, you know, basically, <laughs> you're a bad pilot if you don't want to do this. Long story short, so they take off. They're going across the lake, have four guys and two moose in the plane, and the plane is straining, and it does. It takes off. It lifts off, and as they climb and climb and climb, they suddenly realize they're not going to make it over the next mountain, and they crash into the mountain, go tumbling down through the trees and all of that. And the one guy rolls down through the bushes, rolls up to his buddy and says, I have no idea where we are. And the other guy says, I think we're about 150 yards from where we crashed last year. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yes, the plane can take off, but it's like, you just went through this once and you focused on whether or not the plane could take off the water, not whether or not it could get over the mountain. And then you made this whole big thing. Yeah. Like there's a one year iteration in between that. So that's the thing that feels new to me is like, oh, that play didn't work. Let's line up and run the same play exactly the same way again. And a whole bunch of people are going but, to think that's a good idea. That's where I'm yeah. like, that, this, that's not even theological. That's just like pragmatic of if you do the same thing twice and it doesn't work, who's that on? Yeah, that that goes back to the supposed definition of insanity attributed to Einstein. You know, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah, but it's it's also a basic feature of of human folly, though. I mean, the the first example I, I gave you was was George Whitfield. I mean, and on down the line. I mean, we you if you go, you know, there are so. I mean, I I don't need to go down the roster of all of the you know quote, celebrity Christians who have fallen from grace in the spotlight in very messy ways. But again, I think part of, but that's, I suppose that's the bigger picture of what I'm trying to point to, Nathan, when I don't think that we had some glorious moment. And this is a controversial idea on my part. I'll, so I'll, I'll admit that, take it with a grain of salt, think this through, read up on it, you know, pray about it, think, th think it through. I don't think there's a glorious moment of really, truly healthy Christianity, you know, basically flourishing in the United States. I think you have a lot of healthy Christians in the United States and have, and have always had 
wonderful and moments of revival churches, and all sorts of other things. Moments, yes, but I don't think there was some great moment of you know Christendom in you know in the in the United States that we've that we've you know we're moving away from now into a more I think into a more negative world. I think you have. <laughs> I think cultural Christianity is dying now in the United States. That's what I think is happening. I think you had a place that was uniquely hospitable to a certain version of cultural Christianity. That's what I think you had in the United States. And in that in that aspect, you could have a lot you could wield a lot of cultural influence so long as you didn't rock the boat significantly in certain there are always certain issues that are basically make or break for you as a okay. Christian. They, they so, change depending on the decade, but yeah. So would you say then that perhaps our infatuation or the grace that we give, grace isn't the right word, or the, like let's let this person run the ball the second time the comes from the fact yeah. of, of saying, um, we, we do feel like we're losing cultural influence Here's a person who still has cultural influence. And so, yeah, they might have had some dings yes. in the past here, but since they still have cultural influence, we're going to hitch our train wagons to this engine because it still has cultural influence. Is that is that what the were the arguments going on here? What were the arguments in 2016 for a man who by many accounts was manifestly not a person of character? Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's the same it's the same tactics. And it was, yeah, but we we need to take back what's ours. We need to hold on to that influence by whatever means necessary. And so, in this case, yeah, that these these now, and maybe this is maybe this is somewhat unfair. Maybe maybe we're not giving quite enough benefit of the doubt. But yeah, to, to repeatedly hand a platform back to people, you know, and just to say, well, that but they. They still the door. These doors are open to them, so therefore they have this degree of cultural influence. Therefore, what they're doing must be good. Oh no! I mean, there's no necessarily correlation between, you know, cultural influence and moral behavior. None at all. I mean, it's cultural influence is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be, especially if it comes at the cost of our convictions and what we believe to be right. <laughs> so do you think, Cameron, you can live a Christian life and pass through the spotlight, but that it's uniquely difficult to, for anybody to live in the spotlight? Can, can we make a this distinction back, yeah. between yeah. like the, the air you have to breathe in order to stay in the spotlight forces you to right. do, to, to compromise certain things that Jesus taught but there would be points in time in which people who are Christians pass through. Um, you're like, of course, eh. you know, so I like, I, we don't want to make this sound overly simplistic. I think even on the political no. side that, that, and you, and you're not, and I'm not saying you are. Um, no, but it, I think those connections, there is an important distinction here. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And I think we've talked about it before on the podcast. I mean, there's a, so notoriety is going to happen to people. You know, that is, that's an inevitable feature of life. So is celebrity. There are certain people who rise, rise up the ranks, rise to the top, the top of their fields who, you know, do what they do with excellence. That extends to the world of preaching and teaching as well. We all know that, but there's a big difference between somebody 
who where they've they've got a level of fame and recognition and notoriety and it's a byproduct of what they're doing versus somebody who has worked tirelessly to basically maintain a form of celebrity or engineer that celebrity or to or to I mean we it, these are these are subtle sometimes they have to do with your own inward motivations but we know that there is a difference between somebody who in the world of preaching and teaching would say who is focused on what they're doing and to the best of their abilities is seeking to love the Lord with all that they are, including all of their capabilities and abilities, and then to love their neighbor as themselves, right? And by doing that, they happen to achieve a level of excellence that gains, gains them some recognition. There's that. And then there's selfish ambition, right? Driven more by vanity and the need for outward affirmation. And those are two very different things. Now, the danger often arises when, I mean, even those who achieve, I think, probably an authentic level of, of, of recognition through or authentic means, let's say, the temptation is perennial then to, to get addicted, of course, to that, that spotlight and to the notoriety and to start saying things more to appease people and to please them rather than to, to speak the truth. Somebody once said to C.S. Lewis, and it's important to remember this about C.S. Lewis. I think we're so used to thinking of C.S. Lewis as a big deal, a household name, a cottage industry, you know, sells so, so many books. On the fa His face is on the cover of Time magazine. But, you know, during most of his life, and you know, his career as an English professor, he was not a very respected man. And he dealt with a, a good deal of I think some circumstances that were pretty humiliating, even from close friends, even J.R.R. Tolkien had a very kind of, didn't have that nice of an attitude about C.S. Lewis, was apparently embarrassed about the screw tape letters being dedicated to him, for instance. Hmm. So, I mean, this man dealt with a lot of slights in his life and had a lot of humility. But at the end there, when as he was gaining popularity, somebody said to him, wow it must be really difficult to deal with this. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you must have to really fight against pride. And he said something to the effect of you can never fight hard enough. And he, he just got dead serious. Okay. So that's, that's a really helpful segue into, um, there's, there's always this like, okay, we're going to look at extreme versions of this and somebody else. And we're going to critique that. Jesus never really lets us do that. Like people point to the big thing and then he always brings it back to the individual. So what are the things that we're learning here that like, okay, most of you listening are not ever going to have more than half a million Instagram followers. Probably. I Maybe I'm just missing our uh, audience here. If you are, let us know. That'd be interesting. But, and by the way, as far as writing in, nobody has sent me a picture of a hydrocarbon yet after we did that other podcast on organic chemistry. But I digress. So here, here's, here's the question I'm asking you, Cameron. And, and the Lewis thing of like, you can't fight against this too hard of like, okay, so what's the, what's the personal, what's the localized, what's the individual, what's the small town, what's the college student version of fighting against things that woo us in the wrong direction? How do you take the principles of the things that we've just discussed and then bring them back down into your own life? Um, I think you probably can bench press more than Carl Lentz. I mean, you know, so there's that going on, <laughs> but I do appreciate the fact that you wear a shirt when we record podcasts. So that's good. Um, you know, like I'm not, <laughs> no. not used looking for an example like that, but, um, 
so, so yeah, just give us some like practical, what do mm. we need to be watching for in our own hearts, so, in our own lives? I think what we need to be watching for above all else is self-deception. We're so much better at that than we even realize. So I was I was reading an article by Stanley Hauerwas recently on the subject, and he was looking at self-deception through the lens of Albert Speer, who was an architect in the Third Reich and one of Hitler's right-hand men. Right, right-hand men. And he wrote an auto, a famous autobiography. And part of what makes that... And, you know, it's a, it's a relatively unsparing account. So he's pretty hard on himself. But, I mean, there are all sorts of complications there. I mean, it's easy to be hard on yourself in hindsight. And, yeah. It's, it's, but one of the lines that he often took was, well, I'm, I'm just an artist. I'm just an architect. And... Let me tell you, there are there are so many ways to mislead others these days. It's easier to deceive people than ever before. I mean, that's and we can just point to some very obvious tools at your disposal now. Of course, you know, there you know, you can basically craft a persona now online and you can you can be very you know, carefully curate your life. Only but share. But my mustache you... is real. I want everybody to know that. <laughs> well, you only fabrication. <laughs> so. That's totally real. Yes, absolutely. Can confirm. I pulled it. But every but you can you can put out for the world an idealized version of yourself. That's dangerous enough. But the biggest danger is timeless and it's not new. The biggest danger is when you have deceived yourself and you come to believe your own lies. That's what you want to guard against. What are the stories you tell yourself? If they in any way hinge more on your own capabilities and your own talents and your own achievements than they do on Christ and his power and his love and his mercy, which you need, by the way, if they if if you are weighting those more heavily and finding ways to dress those up and those those lead, then you're in dangerous territory. And you need to find ways. So we, we have to find ways to recognize. And part of that is just finding ways to recognize your limits. There are certain things that we can do. And there are certain things that we can do well by God's grace. And then there are certain things that we cannot do. And so for some of us, I think if there are areas in our life where we've wanted, for instance, some level of success or some level of recognition and we haven't gotten them, we haven't gotten them and we're so angry, we're so we're beating our heads against the wall, then I think we have to allow for the possibility that God in his mercy is tr- not giving us more than we can handle. I'll get real, real personal here, Nathan. So I wrote a book a couple years ago called Faith at Last with my dad. I think you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that we wrote the book and I stand by what I said in there, but when the book didn't, part of me was hoping that that book would be a kind of launching pad into a writing career. Now, I mean, this is part of writing is one of the few things that come naturally to me. Okay. It wasn't sports. So I had, I always, I just, I had writing, but when that book didn't meet with, you know, ringing applause and success, I mean, my response to that was very revealing. I felt cheated. I felt angry. And then I was starting to feel embittered. And then I started to realize, oh, no, I've got, we have a real, real problem here. 
but I'd lied to myself, Nathan. That was the problem. I had said, I, and I even said this to other people. I heard myself saying this. Well, I've just been praying that this book will have success in God's eyes, not necessarily the world's eyes. I was lying. That is not at all what I wanted. I wanted, I, I wanted a bestseller. And it's, it's, it, even now, it's hard for me to say that out loud and admit that, but it's so incredibly freeing. And is there anything wrong with wanting a bestseller? No, but is it right that you get embittered and angry at God and think that the world has cheated you when you don't have a bestseller? Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> you, got a, you, you have a real problem there. So that's one specific example called from my own life about how self, just the, the inner dynamics of self-deceit and how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, that's really, I think, big of you to share vulnerably like that. Um, appreciate that example. I liked your book also, by the way. Uh, yeah. So, th but there's so many analogous versions out that you hear people say, we're going to we're going to build a bigger house so we can invite more people over or, uh, you know, right. th there's that kind of, um, I'm going to buy this extravagant thing so I can help more people or, and, and some people do, but I think that idea of self-deception and what's our real motivation. I, I was thinking about that just in my own life really actually this morning, the sun was coming up and I looked back mm. over my last several days and they have been jam packed full of good things. Like I sleep well at night, but that's probably where you're the most vulnerable to like just getting hunkered down and doing a bunch of stuff that seems to be okay and good and think like, why am I doing this? Like, is this the best use of my time and my energy? Uh, Am I honoring the Lord and the big commitments that I have through this activity? Uh, even though, you know, well, I'm not breaking the law, so it must be good. No, it's like, it's bigger than that. So I think this thing that you're calling us to, um, Jesus gave a great talk about like something about a plank and a speck. And you remember that whole bit? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a podcast where we want to, <laughs> or this episode is one where we want to curl back in. I think we started a little bit high on our horses there part of out of mm -hmm. a frustration of feeling like somebody is monkeying with the recipe of what Jesus asked his followers to bake, but then bringing it back around to making sure that none of us live in that exact same posture, just on a smaller scale. Um, so that's, I think, I think you, you did a good job for us there and gives us all something to think about. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I think I, your point is really good. You don't need 600,000 followers on Instagram to fall into this kind of, I mean, this kind of error, you know, that's, I think that's the, that's a big, that's the big takeaway. We, we're all in our little spheres. We're all very capable of, of doing this. And so we can't, all of us can't be careful enough. You know, we should heed C.S. Lewis's admonition, even if we don't appear on the front cover of Time magazine. Which, you know, remarkably, some of us won't. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging with us here and listening to this discussion. We hope it's been helpful and stimulating to your thoughts. And just a quick reminder that we have an upcoming fundraiser and event here in Georgia. You'll, I'll be sharing more. We will be sharing more about that on our social media so you can look at our instagram page and our facebook page it's going to be it is a regional event so it's here in the atlanta area but the theme is advancing the credibility of christ today 
And if you're not too tired of our voices yet, you'll actually, you'll get more than that. You'll get to hear Nathan and my voice, but you'll also get to see the faces and the bodies that go along with the voice. We will actually <laughs> be there in person. Imagine that. Imagine embodied. That. So if that's, yeah. yes, embodied. So if that sounds interesting to you and you're in the area, or maybe you want to make a road trip, we would love to see you there. You've been listening to Thinking Out Loud, a podcast about current events and Christian hope. Thanks for listening to Thinking Out Loud. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, book Nathan or Cameron, or if you'd like to support us financially, whether through a one-time donation or on a monthly basis, you can do so on the donate page at www.toltogether.com. That's toltogether.com. And please consider leaving us a five-star rating and sharing this content with your friends. It really does help.